entry level. The guy next to me at work today was on the phone to someone. Is this the uh, dude that resigned or is this somebody else? Yeah, he resigned, uh, which is a shame because he's awesome. Yeah. But he was on the phone to someone. Hi, Craig, if you're listening to this. Is his name Craig? No. Oh, which is good because then like American people would call him Craig and I hate that. Exactly. So, Craig, asterisk. Um, he was on the phone to someone, like clearly a family or friend, yeah. and was looking out the window that we share and was trying to find, identify an exit off the highway yeah. and was trying to communicate to them like, yeah, look, don't worry. You've just got to get off the exit at, uh, oh, you just got to get off the highway. And he turned to me and his friend is obviously in the car. So it's a pressurized situation. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Stefan, what's that exit? And I uh, awfully just turned to him and went, it's definitely a road. It goes onto a road. <laughs> <laughs> Super helpful. And he sort of looked at me and went, just was not impressed. Are you kind of sad and bitter that you won't be sharing that window anymore? It'll just be you yep. and a window. And my aloneness. Looking for longingly out onto where the road meets the other road. <laughs> <laughs> we look out onto where the highway goes into a tunnel. Yeah. And there's a dude I've seen at least four times who just pulls over at about 5pm and just hangs a slash into the middle of the road. What? <laughs> I know. I'm fascinated as to what this guy's deal is. Is it does he try to cover it or is he just No, nah, he's just like got out. places to be. Who's got time to mess around and just pees all over the road? Well, sometimes <laughs> you just got to go. <laughs> well, exactly. But he's done it a number of times. I want to know. It's clearly part of the plan. Like, oh, I've got to drive, drive for an hour. Maybe he runs coffee conventions or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's a coffee convention. It's where you drink heaps of coffee and then you have to drive heaps far to get home. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about it heaps. Like Easter eggs, sorted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is. It's actually the first time I've ever had a window professionally. It's very exciting. Funny story. When I started at the company I worked for before the current one, mm -hmm. I went to the interview and I'd been a very typical IT person where I'd been locked in dungeons for most of my career. <laughs> and I went to the interview and they were showing me around the office after the interview and they had these wall to floor, wall to floor? Ceiling to floor. <laughs> wall to floor isn't actually that exciting. It's like, man, there's some fucking low windows in this office. Yeah. <laughs> They had ceiling-to-floor windows yep. in a lot of the offices, and I just said to them, if you give me one of those offices, I will come and work here for free. Because yeah. <laughs> I was just that excited to have a view into the outside world, uh, outside world to get some sunlight on my beautiful pale nerd tan. And they were like, sorry, the coders don't get windows. <laughs> <laughs> it distracts them from the matrix. Well, no, they were stupider than that. I came to work for them and they paid me a wage. And I went, you idiots. <laughs> you could have got out of this for free. You could have just knocked over half my wall and saved it all. Well, you know, when I started at Broken Hill in the newspaper there, the office we were in, I think it used, like, back in the day was the paper shed. And so it had been lined as an office, and it was pretty good as offices go. But yeah. there was, like, one tiny, one of those, like, slit windows. Like we had at school. Yeah, just a glass pane that's set in and cannot be opened. And yep. it looked out into, you wouldn't call it a lane. It was just a gap between the other, our building and the next building, yeah. which was about a 80 centimetres yeah. yep. onto another Besser Brick building. <laughs> and in between, there was just a bit of lawn and maybe an old bike or something. Yep. So you could sort of look out there and get the impression that sun exists. <laughs> 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 that somewhere above you that a ball of gas existed and life was the result. Yep. 
but it was not part of our day to day. Then when I went to Fairfax, it was in fact a reconditioned paper shed, which was pretty far from light as well. It was pretty boss. So when I got to this one and they were like, you will be looking out onto a highway. Sorry about the view. I'm like, it's vitamin D. Doesn't matter. There's sunlight and I get to share it with Craig. (laughs) (laughs) For now. We'll miss you, Craig. (laughs) So can I do, I want to do this. That's the Breaking Bad theme. That's that's, that's the intro. (laughs) I can't believe you didn't get that. That's the worst. (laughs) The worst attempt at mouth slide guitar that I've ever heard in my life. Did I talk last time we spoke about how much I love the theme? I thought about, no, you didn't. It's great theme music and you've just ruined it for me. And I've still got two seasons to go where every time I watch an episode now, I'm just going to think of you going and do it again. <laughs> so good, man. Come on. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, that's the intro to the segment. The, <laughs> All right. The, the Justin What's Breaking Bad segment. JT on BB. We'll make sure. Wow. Do you want to? You can cut that out and edit it in. Do you want to re-record that each week when I do the review piece or do you want me to save the snippet of that when we're doing the editing and just edit the same version in or do you want to have a have a refreshed crack at it each time? Oh, there's time? nowhere to go but up, man. I reckon <laughs> we do it live. <laughs> That's how okay. professional I am. So it's been a little while since we got together last, even though we're such a professional outfit that our listeners will only hear a one-week gap. It's like time travel. It is. We're like chrononauts. Chrononauts? Yeah. Is that an astronaut that goes back and forward in time? What else would it be? I'm not as into the time travel thing as you are. Well, I know I'm into time travel. I mean, I'm not as well-versed on the... You haven't wasted as many hours yeah, as I Yeah, well, look, I was trying to be diplomatic about it, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just not as much of a time travel loser as you. Yeah, that's the only time travel I've actually managed to pull off. Just like, oh, I made hours disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we spoke, I was halfway through the second season. Mm-hmm. So in the intervening interval, is that it? Can you say that? Is that a thing? Is that, it's, it's, it's redundant, isn't it? It's so a thing. Right. It just so, happens. <laughs> I was there. I finished season two. Yep. Uh, which I think I was up to episode seven last time we talked about this. So yeah, you were about halfway through. I've been introduced to Saul. Yeah. Who I love. Got to call boss. Saul. Uh, and I've been introduced to Jane, who I found really, really interesting and went... I hope this is a lasting character that's going to get on board because she adds this whole other dimension to Jesse and blah, 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 blah. And then Walt just watch her die, which is kind of brutal and and kind of nasty. The other thing that sort of intrigued me towards the end of season two is you start to get this butterfly type effect. And this is, I hope that everybody who's listening to this has either seen it or is watching it fast enough that I'm not going to ruin stuff because I'm not holding back. Hey. I figure if I'm five years late in reviewing this thing, you've got no excuse. Spoilers. So we get that whole butterfly effect thing where Walt watches Jane die and Mm. then the plane crashes and the thing lands in the pool and then you find out that it was her dad and there's all this other stuff that's gone on as as a direct or indirect result of Walt's actions and you sort of watch him try to struggle with that, which I really liked because I think I mentioned before that I like that he he sort of slips into just being this psycho that has very little humanity left about him. Mm. And I think there's a danger that you, you start to lose a bit of hope for him and, and that takes away a little bit of what makes him interesting in the first place. 
once you start this whole, oh, well, I'm responsible for the death of all of these people via a plane crash, it sort of pulls you back into, well, he's actually human. Because they'd started off a lot of episodes with the bit with the teddy bear floating in the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. And after the episode where he goes on the mad renovation blitz where he's at home and he replaces (laughs) the water heater and all the wood, we've got rot. And, you know, I think the idea was to maybe make you think that there'd been some sort of meth lab explosion or something like that. And that's what left the, the stuff in the pool. Right towards the end of the season, when he goes on that Bunnings spree, Mm -hmm. shout out to our sponsor Bunnings this week. That's (laughs) bunnings.com.au. I think it's only Australian. Sorry to our international listeners. Where the locals like it. (laughs) Is Is that that their slogan? No, that's IGA, which is also a wonderful product. Australian franchise. Yep. Yeah. Energy drink. What was I talking about? Oh, the explosion and the stuff in the pool. Mm -hmm. I'd actually assumed that he'd installed the gas heater wrong and the gas heater was going to explode (laughs) and kill some people in his family and then he was going to have nothing left to lose and go on a massive meth cooking spree. wheel him off into a whole stratosphere thing. And then obviously it's the plane thing, which is kind of not quite as cool as an explosion thing. But you've got that wicked scene where he's in the hardware store and he sees the dude buying all the stuff Mm. and he just unassumingly gives him all the advice. No, no, you don't want that. You want to go get this thing and that thing. And the guy's freaked (laughs) out. And then he thinks better of it and goes out in the car park and puts a stamp on his turf and tells them all to fuck off, basically. Again, you see him slip from that very, oh, I'm Walter White, mild-mannered school chemistry teacher to I'm Heisenberg, hard-ass drug lord, get the fuck off my turf. <laughs> so I dug that. And then you g- like he gets he has these weird flashes of pride which just incapacitate his whole person. Yeah. Like pride just overtakes him to the point where he just can't control himself yeah. or something. The other thing that I think has really started to surface is you start to see him be really, really fatherly to Jesse. Mm. And to the point where that's sort of how Jane dies is that he goes around to try and save Jesse and he lets her die in an effort to wake Jesse up to the reality of what's going on with being a drug user. But he still does it in that really kind of psycho, oh, well, you know, this bitch is just a casualty of war. Yeah. Move along. I kind of like that. They managed to bring that dichotomy of the two personalities into the one action, if that makes sense. Mm. So I dug that. So after that finished, and there's not, again, I like that there's not really a huge cliffhanger at the end of episode two. They sort of wrap it up whether to the point where you could go, well, I could walk away from this. Yeah. Of course, I couldn't walk away from it. So I sat down and over, <laughs> a, <laughs> over a couple of days, I chewed through season three as well, just yep. so that I'd be up to speed next time we got together. And I, again, I sat down and I took notes so that I've got sort of talking points. And my first note is, his methodical sandwich making is cool. <laughs> Because there's a scene where he's very methodical about how he spreads the peanut butter and the jam and then perfectly slices off the crusts. Yeah. And I was watching that and that's kind of how I make a sandwich. Oh, really? So Confronting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one step away from being a meth cook. Yeah. It's the first sign, I think. Excellent peanut butter distribution. Yes. The other thing about him that I think they've done quite well is his physical appearance alludes to how far into being a drug cooking psycho he is. He starts off and he's got his hair and his little bristly moustache. Yeah. And then by the time we get to the start of season three, he's got the full on goatee and he's still shaving the head, even though he doesn't necessarily need to. And it's almost like he's losing a bit of his humanity. Mm. He becomes something else. There's a sort of transformation going on. Again, you get that sort of glimpse at him where he's at the assembly at the school and everybody's talking about how horrible the plane (laughs) crash is. And he's feeling really guilty and you're sort of going, oh, he's still, there's still that human component. And then he gets up and gives the speech about, ah, you know, 
there have been worse plane crashes than this in the past. Yeah. And basically everyone should just get over it. You find that sense of him trying to justify what it is that he's doing, but not to everybody else, almost to himself. It's almost yeah. like he's giving the speech to an empty room. I like Jesse in rehab. I like the rehab guy when the rehab guy schools him and he goes, well, you know, what do you know about it? And the rehab guy goes, yeah, I killed my daughter. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, snap. Yeah, take Sit that. Sit down, junkie bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing that blew me away most about season three is when he just comes out and tells Skylar right at the beginning of the mm. – and she sort of calls him on it because he's moved out and she says, well, you're a drug dealer, aren't you? Is it, is it marijuana, heroin? And he goes, no, it's crystal meth. And I just sort of went, hang on, what? Did yeah. he just own up to that? <laughs> The other point that I was interested in was, and, and it seems to have died off a bit, so I'm not sure if it's going to come back, is Skylar's so down on him for breaking the law and mm -hmm. yet she's helping her boss basically hide money. And yeah. my note around that says Skylar should put her boobs away and stop embezzling money. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help but notice that she wears a lot of low-cut tops to work. Yeah, there's clearly something going on over there. And then she screws the boy. Well, she kisses it. My first note says she kisses the boss. And then my next note says, the fuck? Because <laughs> they get it on almost straight away. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed, which will appeal to our video game playing fans, is that Walt, now that he's got the shaved head and the goatee and the glasses, mm -hmm. looks pretty much exactly like Gordon Freeman from Half-Life. <laughs> Gordon Freeman in Half-Life is also in New Mexico. Mm. Or from New Mexico. And I wasn't sure if that was a, a conscious thing that, that people had know. done. But I was looking at it and I was going, why does this guy look so familiar to me? And I never really played a lot of Half-Life. No, I, I've, it's passed me by, I must say. But the, the cover, and yeah. I, I was in JB Hi-Fi the other day and I saw the cover to season five of Breaking Bad. And I went, that imagery is so familiar. And then I walked past the cover of Half-Life and I went, oh, yes, the Half-Life guy. <laughs> so I thought I was... Isn't the Half-Life guy like a put-upon scientist as well? Yeah, pretty much. It's the same guy. It could be. So what do you think of Walt? Do you like him? I struggle with him. I, I think I do like him. Mm -hmm. um, I struggle with the duality. I actually like him much more, and I've said this about bad guys before. I mm -hmm. always dig the bad guys. Yeah, you're Barney. I am, yeah. <laughs> that Actually, we mentioned that before, yes. Yeah. So I, I really dig him when he's being the hard ass because he's you kind of get this image of him being really sort of put upon for most of his life and he's the easygoing guy and they hinted him being screwed out of money by the guys that were... The grey matter people. The grey matter people, yeah. And so you feel like he's he's got this ball of rage in him that's mm. finally got it because he's just sort of gone, I don't care anymore. I'm yep. just going to say what's on my mind. And you get this fantastic sort of view of him just basically not giving a shit and walking around and owning everybody like a boss. Yeah, there's a certain amount of – I was talking about it at work today with someone – that there's a bit of sort of nerd power fantasy there, especially in yeah. some of that – especially in season one where it's very much uh, a dude conquering ultra-masculine drug dealers through the power of nerdy science. Yep. It's one of the first things that appealed to me about the show where you'd sort of – he'd walk into these – uh, situations where you would expect him to be killed or destroyed or churned up, but at the end you sort of go, yes, yeah, science victory, yeah! <laughs> I think that's, that is definitely what's attractive about him is we're so used to seeing bad guys who are the dumb, fumbling bad guys. Mm. And he's not. He's he's actually smarter than most of the people that he comes up against. Yeah. And it works to his advantage. It actually so far is is working out for him. Do you, so you, you is he a bad guy? Is he a good well, guy? Well, and that's the other thing. I mean, thing. that's the funnest thing I found about the show is every episode going like, is he like the 
the hero or the villain or he's probably just a guy. Well, he's kind of helping people ruin their lives. So he's yeah. either a bad guy or a journalist. <laughs> he, I, see, I think the same thing about Saul as his lawyer. Is he a bad guy or is he just, you know, he sort of sees a way to make a living and, and make a profit and, and maybe if it's off some other people's misery. When he says even drug dealers need lawyers... I sort of go, well, good on you for having the nuts to stand yeah. up and do that job. Plus he's... Uh, at the same time, you're a scumbag. Saul's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just too hilarious and great. Well... He could just murder a baby on the screen and I'd be like, you're so funny yeah. and interesting, Saul. I've said before that I really relate to Hank, who has a great third season in that he goes mental oh, yeah. and punches the crap out of Jesse and, and all of that stuff that goes down. And I think they use him a lot better as a character. Mm. But I've actually found myself, you know how I said in 10 years' time I can see myself being Hank? Yep. In 10 years' time I can probably more see myself being Saul. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just... Put that in the time capsule. <laughs> Because he's, he's kind of a good guy. He, he, again, has this duality where you go, well, he's a lawyer to all these reprehensible characters. Yeah. And then he brings Jesse the cactus as the housewarming present. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's actually not such a horrible, horrible person. Is a drug dealer lawyer worse than a lawyer? Who can say? <laughs> <laughs> I was sad to see the RV get cr- crushed. Yeah, up as well because it's like it was, the Enterprise at that point, it is. It, it, it's a ca- it's a character in the show as much as the people in it are as well. This one ended on a bit more of a cliffhanger with the, with Walt sort of running over the. So you finished? Where are you up? Where have you? I finished three. You finished season three. Yeah, and I've taken a break to catch up on some of the other shows in the roster. Yeah, because I wanted to record this because otherwise I was going to have too many. Things breaking bad to try and keep in my head. So, well, that's right. I finished three and took a few days off. <laughs> <laughs> really feeling the burn. Yeah. I mentioned Hank before, and when Jesse's in the hospital and he gives Walt the speech about how he's basically going to mess Hank's life up. Mm. And it's the first time, again, Jesse, I think he and Walt work so well together because, and I've said before, you feel a little bit like Jesse's a victim of circumstance. He's made some sort of silly decisions, but he's not inherently a bad person. He's got a drug addiction, which maybe you should do something about. And he does do something about quite effectively until right at the end. Um, (laughs) But then he gives the speech about how he's going to mess up Hank. And it's this chilling... Mm. kind of masterminded, I am going to systematically ruin this guy's life. That really sort of hit me quite hard because you sort of see a reflection of Walt and Walt's trying to be the caring sort of fatherly figure and, oh, it'll be okay and this will happen and that'll happen and Jesse's just like, nah, this shit just got real. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jesse's sort of got that similar duality thing that Walt has, but it's more of a fundamental, it's like the guy that he really should be. Like you can tell that he's a really good guy. Yeah. And then he puts on this sort of gangster thing, but whereas Walt almost revels in that gangster thing and you, you really feel like he's sort of for the first time in his life, that's where he feels powerful and he doesn't want to let it go. You feel like Jesse almost uh, just doesn't fit, doesn't fit in very well. And you see it when he, when he goes to rehab and they hatch the scheme to start selling the drugs to people in rehab, which is, yeah, pretty low. It's pretty bleak, man. <laughs> and then he meets uh, the girl who's oh, I can't remember her name. And then he meets her kid, and he's really, really good with the kid. And you yeah. get that sort of again, you get that duality. And then you have that reflection of the whole butterfly effect type of thing, where she talks about her kid brother selling drugs and and running with this bad crowd. And then he finds out that. 
the kid's the one who shot his mate. Is it, is it Combo or is it? Yeah, I think other, so. Yeah. And again, you get that thing where like Waltz had with the, the plane crash and, and other stuff. You get the thing where Jesse goes, it's cool to live in this world where we abstract away the fact that we make crystal meth. Mm. Uh, and then he has to deal with there are consequences of those actions and there's a million different follow-ons and some of them may end quite badly like your friend gets shot. I thought his reaction to that where he got quite upset about it and he goes after the guys and then um, Gus sort of pulls him aside and says, pull your fucking head in. Yeah, and it is, all goes really well. Yeah. yeah. is and, and, But that's quite a, a contrast to the way Walt handles it where he just sort of tries to bury it and not get too worked up about it because he's a man on a mission. Yeah. The other thing that I liked about him telling Skylar is that she's totally cool with using the money now. Yep. And she spins that amazing story about him having a gambling addiction or coming up with some sort of gambling formula. And There's a pretty short turnaround from her going, that's uncool. Reprehensible. Let's spend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. Skylar is just universally hated everywhere, I think. And she gets really aggravating. She's a bit of a mom. A lot of the time. <laughs> but the specific, there's a lot of like personality stuff where I'm like, oh, she just can be quite grating on Scream. Yep. But there's this weird vein of people who get really mad at her because there's that power fantasy with Walt that we've talked about, about how he's being awesome and he's basically playing Grand Theft Auto on God mode and it's really satisfying <laughs> to watch. And Skylar's there going, that's not cool. Yeah. And you can see that a lot of people are like just hate her because she's trying to hold him back. Look, I get it. I get where you're coming from, but you can't really hate her for it because it's just her trying to be like a human being. Like <laughs> Her husband comes home one day and is like, I'm a mad meth dealer. <laughs> and she says, perhaps that's not cool. And everyone's like, she's a real, she's a real bitch. Yeah, what a drag. <laughs> Stop being such a square, Skylar, and yeah. let your husband cook some meth. Talk about the butterfly effect thing. I struggled with the end of season two for a while because, as you say, like every episode is foreshadowing the pool yeah. to sort of a mythical, this is a thing that's going to change everything is sort of what you get as the audience. And at the end, when, I fe- when it was the plane, the plane crash, crash, I think, because the first three seasons I all watched in about a week. So especially watching it that quickly... I think some of the subtleties were lost to me. And when it first happened, I was like, oh, that's a huge downer. Because mm. I was thinking, you know, it's going to be a massive shootout or his wife's going to get killed or there's going to be real repercussions for this guy. And it all felt a bit vague, if you know what I mean. Yep. But it was only after the fact where I processed it. I quite like the statement that they're making with the plane, that, as you say, it's a way of really dramatising just the, the wide-ranging impacts of what they're doing. It punctures the bubble that they live in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and just and even though I don't, I don't think Walt ever gets really fully conscious of the magnitude of all that stuff. Um, do you think he doesn't, or do you think he just chooses to downplay his reaction? I don't know. It's, I haven't seen it in a long time. Does he put it together that the guy is the the dad of the woman? Yeah, it comes out because remember he has the beer with him in the pub the night before. Is it the night that? Yeah, because the dad's the one that convinces him to go back and chase yeah. his. Oh, you know, you've got to look after your kids and rah rah. And it's that's what awful. Motivates. So there's that whole sort of thing. And then he sees him on the news and goes, oh, shit, that's the guy and uh, his daughter and oh, dear. And then he sort of figures it all out. And then Uh, he doesn't tell – the other thing that sort of struck me is a bit strange is he doesn't tell Jesse until about halfway through season three. And he goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. I ran into Jane's dad in the bar. Mm, and That's right. I was actually thinking there was going to be some bit where Jesse put it all together perhaps. But, yeah, 
I guess he's not that I smart. I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> the only problem I had is obviously that her dad is the immortal being Q who should really be able to just click his fingers and fix everything. <laughs> and for whatever reason, he fails to do so. I actually didn't realise that that was the same actor. It's, it's been a few years. I've got to go back and watch it. I, I did not pick up on that at all. Yeah. Although I did pick up on Brian Cranston being a guest voice on the episode of Archer that I watched last night. Oh, really? Yeah. I just, uh, we were going watching Seinfeld again and he plays like the wacky dentist on Seinfeld. Oh, really? For a long time and it's great. Okay. He's a funny guy. Yeah. not surprising given just how good he is in Breaking Bad. But yep. He's strangely hilarious. The Seinfeld thing's an awesome segue. By the way, did you plan that? I didn't. Because we can totally bust into the fact that we went and saw a movie. We went on a mandate. I would. Is it the only way. Do you want to yell that we did back into the microphone or do you want to just keep it off in the background? We did. <laughs> <laughs> but we went and saw a movie that wasn't a comic book movie, which is probably Weird. unprecedented in, in recent times. And we were supposed to go with a bunch of other people and circumstances being what they were, it ended up just being you and me seeing this romantic comedy. Yeah, and it was a it was a fundraiser that we ended up at and no one else came. <laughs> well, there was a cinema full of other people. Nobody else that we were directly yeah, connected with. None came. of our party <laughs> accompanied us to the, the cinema. Yep. Uh, and we went along. So it was fun because I sort of ended up in a cinema for a movie that I didn't remember the name of or anything about. And we'd missed like the first 20 minutes. Yeah, which is my bad. And it was, it was a really enjoyable. I was drinking. I don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he smelled like an ashtray. Um, but it, it was, Why would I smell like an ashtray if I was drinking? I don't know. I ran out of ideas. <laughs> um, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> Do you, is the movie called? It's called uh, Enough Said. Enough Said. Is that I was, it? I was going to say Better Left Unsaid, but yes, Enough Said. Because I, uh, I was thinking about us talking about it. This is, this is a fuck thing to say, but I was thinking about. <laughs> I'm laughing already. Us talking about Enough Said on the podcast. Yep. And that we would then call the episode Enough Said and people would go, oh, cool. They're going to talk about Stan Lee. And we nah. wouldn't though. Yeah. It's not interesting. Uh, so, yeah, we end up, weird circumstance, watching Nuff Said, which yes. stars James Gandolfini and Elaine from Seinfeld. Whose real name is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I know. Yeah. I do. All I knew about it was that they were in it. Yep. And that he had passed away since filming it's his role. The, one of the, it's the second last movie that he ever made. Mm. Yeah. Which is a huge bummer because he's epic level amazing in it. He's really good. And it, this was a, I guess you would call it a romantic comedy. I, yeah, I laughed and saw romance. Felt love. <laughs> 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 which is not normally the thing that we go and see at the cinema. I think we both tend to watch those in the privacy of our own homes. Yeah, exactly. But it was such Every a sweet flick though. And I, I was apprehensive. I had uh, some friends of mine over, Danny and Rye. Rye who did the, the artwork mm-hmm. for the show, small plug huge there. Huge brain. But, um, yeah, I had Danny and Rye over and I was a little apprehensive that given that it was a romantic comedy that possibly James Gandolfini was going to get nude. Yep. Which he did. Mm. But they didn't sort of show much below sort of the nip line, which was – I was <laughs> I was okay with that. I think we've got a title for the episode. Episode 11, <laughs> Below the Nip Line. nip line. <laughs> so, yeah, having seen Tony Soprano's boobs. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. It was a it was a lovely film with Tony Collette in it. So a bit of Australian, yeah. Talent and she used as her well. Australian accent, which I always she did. Liked. 
and which kind of threw me a little bit because I couldn't work out who she was because yeah. she actually sounded like herself. Like, what kind of accent is she doing? Yeah. Do you ever find that if you have a Hollywood movie and someone speaks an Australian accent, it feels really foreign and weird? It does. It sounds so strange on screen. And I'm always fascinated by that. Like, I'm so Americanized that when I see a glossy movie, if someone speaks like an Australian, I'm like, that's not God's plan. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I fought tooth and nail to not go to that movie just because I was like, I don't know what it is. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. But I think the last movie that I went to managed to get to in a cinema without any hype or understanding or anything, which is a pretty rare treat to be able to sit in a cinema and just have no expectations. Was that the week where your internet connection was broken? (laughs) (laughs) It was the fifth element. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, I remember. I don't remember why, but I remember going to it with a group of people. Yep, and having just looked left at the wrong time for months, whenever it would be advertised somewhere, like yeah. I just missed it. And I remember. I think the reason I love that movie so hard, more than it probably deserves, is because <laughs> it just hit me straight in a weird bit of my brain where expectations had not built a fort or anything. Yeah, I was just like, what? Why? Bandage pants, blue person, <laughs> Chris, what's his name? It was just really, really good. And I had the cigarettes. I had the huge filters and the tiny little cigarette on the end. Don't ruin it for me because I have never actually watched that movie from beginning to end. Oh, really? That's one of my Ooh. geek confessions, geek yeah. claim to shames. It's good. By the time we do the geek claim to fame episode, we just probably edit in all of all our the little piece field confessions. Yep. James Gandolfini and Elaine. From uh, Seinfeld. From Seinfeld. <laughs> Just sort of have this nice little, you know, they're both divorced and they have kids and they meet and they, you know, have love things and life happens. And it was just a really simple, subtle story that doesn't have any alien fights. No aliens, no superpowers. Yeah. It was delightful. And I found I it felt like uplifted I, afterwards. I kind of missed it up in the middle of it. I'm not afraid to admit, like when they were all having upset cry times, I was right there with you them. You told me you just had allergies. I know. You know. Once I loosened my death grip of your thigh. <laughs> it went quite quickly as well. We were in there for sort of two hours and mm. it didn't feel like that. I remember the credits started to roll and I'm not going to say what happens at the end, but I went, oh, is that, is that really? Oh, I, was, mm. I want something more. And then, of course, being the comic book movie geeks that we are, we sat there or tried to sit there through the credits just in case there was a Stan Lee cameo yeah. or a cutscene <laughs> at the end. There was nothing after the credits. Uh, well, we didn't even get to watch to the end because the guy came up and was like, oh, you've got to get out of the cinema because yeah. the next session's about to start. And I went, man, if this had happened during a Marvel film, exactly. we would have had to punch on. <laughs> I don't think Enough Said is a temple franchise. <laughs> so I suppose my question is, which is what I asked as soon as the movie was finished... Has the fact that... Can I borrow a tissue? Yeah. <laughs> There's that. It's private. I <laughs> Not anymore. Having thought about it and trying to think of the last time I went to the movie to not watch a comic book film yep. or like a big sci-fi action blockbuster thingamajig. Yep. Is that ruining my soul's ability to experience subtlety? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. No, I think, well, because do you still watch movies like Enough Said? Because my, my, here's my deal is I will go to the yep. cinema to watch something that needs to be seen at the cinema. Yeah. Like a big, lots of explosions, of superheroes, big scale. A visual spectacle. Kind of stuff. But everything else, my TV and my sound system are pretty good. So they are. I'm more than happy to sit in the comfort of my own lounge with a bottle of scotch and some popcorn. Not a whole bottle of scotch because yeah, I'm not, not an ashtray smelling <laughs> alcoholic. Nice backtrack, by the way. <laughs> I'm more than happy to sit on the couch and watch a romantic comedy like Nuff said yep. by myself or, or with company, whatever. 
But I, I don't see the value in going to the cinema to see that. Whereas a superhero movie or a sci-fi movie or something that I'm really desperately anticipating, I'll go to the cinema and see it because I want to see it first. I want to see it on the big screen. I want to see it with sound mm. that shakes me out of my seat or the, the things before the – I can't remember which cinema chain it's at, but where they have the extreme screen thing and the – It's at Melbourne Central. Yeah. Is it Hoyts? Yes. Uh, yeah. Is it Hoyts? Or is and they're it like, right? yeah. it will destroy your optic <laughs> nerve. It'll blow your teeth out and then blow yeah. you into the back of the room. I want that experience for certain films. See, I like – they show people getting physically blown <laughs> out of their chairs. I'm like, that looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> I missed so many lines of dialogue while flipping like <laughs> the back to the of the screen. Very upsetting. Yeah. But I get I do get your point. I think if you still watch those films, then you're probably not losing out too badly on appreciating the subtlety of that type of film. But so I can experience the emotion of what you people call love. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it on our planet, yes. Yeah. Because I think I don't watch many movies. I watch a lot of TV shows, as we have established. But films are something that I've just that I just miss. Yeah, I know. When I flew overseas last year, like one of the highlights <laughs> of the trip was having a combined thirty hours of flight time to catch up on all the Oscar winners. Yeah, I sat down, going, oh, I don't know if I can do this, man. This is going to be fourteen hours in the air. I've never had to do that before. What am I going? Wait, look how many films. <laughs> Only fourteen hours. <laughs> I'm making a list on the armrest, like, oh, I can watch No Country for Old Men, but then I'll have to drop this one off, do some maths. And because I've just missed all the films. And yep. I think one of the reasons I like this film, like one of the reasons I like TV is because you have so much time to live with characters mm. and, you know, experience them. And there's the arcs and stuff. Like we talked about Walter White, like the you're halfway through and the change in him from day one to now. Incredible. Uh, so it was refreshing to watch this film where you've only got sort of two hours to hang out with these characters and there's a, just that certain craft which I haven't experienced in a while which is just here's a human being in two hours we need to tell you who they are, how they feel. And, and get then, you invested in their yeah, relationship. Exactly. And then take you from here to here. Yep. And I liked the way that it just ended and maybe it's because I've been so invested in picking over the bloody Marvel Universe and stuff where I'm like each movie list goes to a new thing mm. and blah, 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 blah. But I like this one, which was like, well, this is the end of, it's almost like a, a movie that's just about human beings almost ends arbitrarily in yeah. terms of like, this is the end of this experience. But so it was know. a little bit like life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like that thing, the outsideness that I see out my window at work. It was like a guy peeing on a highway. <laughs> I'm going to cut that bit out because that just sounded a little bit too forced. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.